Hi, everybody. This is Jimmy DeYoung. Thank you so very much for joining us as we take a look at the book. I hold in my hand a copy of my five-hour audio series on CD entitled Ishmael's Islamic Invasion. Islam is a very controversial issue today. You need to understand what God's Word has to say about Islam. Islam, a religion of the world, that's the fastest growing religion, by the way, throughout all of Europe and much of the United States. Well, we want to talk about the Islamic invasion, not only of the European Union member states, but also throughout all of the West and including the United States. This is a very important study that you need to be able to think through as we live in the days in which we find ourselves living. Since 9-11, this has been a key issue. So if you'll take a moment now, we'll listen to the Islamic invasion, and then we'll be back and tell you how you can get your own copy of this five-hour audio series on CD entitled Ishmael's Islamic Invasion. Let's now listen to our study, The Islamic Invasion. Then he starts to give the interpretation, verse 36 of Daniel chapter 2. And this is the dream, and we will tell the interpretation there before the king. And he says, O king Nebuchadnezzar, O thou king, you are the head of gold, the Babylonian empire. And as you might well remember, he continues to tell what is going to happen. After the Babylonian empire, the head of gold, there will be another empire, the chest and arms of silver. And ultimately, he tells him that would be the Medo-Persian Empire. Then the belly and thighs, he says that's the third Gentile empire to come to power. And that he tells in chapter 8 of the book of Daniel, later on in life. But uh, he tells at that particular time that that's the Grecian Empire. And then he talks about an awesome empire, the legs of iron. And he talks about that awesome empire in his own dream, 50 years later, chapter 7 of the book of Daniel, being an awesome empire that destroys all the other. And he talks about the ten toes of iron and clay here. Go over and look with me, if you will, verse 43. And whereas thou sawest iron mixed with miry clay, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men, but they shall not cleave one to another, even as iron is not mixed with gold. And in the days of these kings, he's referring now to these coming, the ten toes, back in verse 42, and the, ten, and the toes of the feet were part of iron and part of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly broken. Referred to a kingdom. You cannot have a kingdom without a king, and if you have a king, he has to have a kingdom. Now, verse 43, he talks about them uh, mingling together, and then he says in verse 44, And in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set... Uh, up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, the past ones, the past Gentile world powers, and it shall stand forever. That word olam, same word that you describe God in his eternality, el olam, this olam, if God is eternal, this is talking about a kingdom that will be forever. This is the first, by the way, the fir- as I understand it, the first bit of information about a kingdom that is coming at the end of the times of the Gentiles when the last Gentile world power will fall. Verse 45, 
For as, as much as thou sawest that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that, uh, by the way, that's a phrase describing Jesus Christ, the cornerstone cut without hands, and that breaketh in pieces the iron and the brass, the clay, the silver, and the gold, destroying all the other kingdoms prior to it, the great God, referred to, I think, eight times in the book of Daniel as the most high God, hath made known to the king what shall come to pass hereafter, and the dream is certain and the interpretation thereof sure. And so what Daniel does, he lays out for the Jewish people into the future through a dream that God gave actually to Nebuchadnezzar. Now Daniel gives the dream, gives the interpretation, and says that a Messiah... The stone will come, destroy the Gentile world powers, and establish a kingdom. And that is a prophecy looking down the corridors of time. About 500 years before the birth of Jesus Christ, Daniel writes this prophecy. Go over to Matthew just a few moments, and let's look now not only at the prophecy, but at the presentation of the kingdom and the preparations for the kingdom that would have followed. Matthew... Chapter 3, John the Baptist, son of Zacharias the priest, and Elizabeth of the family of Aaron, uh, the Levitical priesthood. John the Baptist is now in ministry. Matthew chapter 11, Jesus himself said, There has been no greater man ever born to woman than John the Baptist. And had you accepted John the Baptist... He could have been the fulfillment of Elijah. Malachi chapter 4 verse 5, Elijah must come before the kingdom and Messiah comes to set up his kingdom. John the Baptist is in ministry. He's in ministry south of Jerusalem, down near the Dead Sea, in the Judean wilderness, in the area of Jericho, Qumran, where the Dead Sea Scrolls were found, probably growing up with those people who were involved with the Dead Sea Scrolls. John the Baptist is now preaching in that wilderness area out from Jericho down towards the Jordan River. And here's what happens as he is ministering there. In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus would later, later teach the prayer to the disciples. It's referred to as the Lord's Prayer. It's really the disciples' prayer. The Lord's Prayer is John 17. The disciples' prayer is this. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Why did he teach that? He teaches that, by the way, in the Sermon on the Mount. Chapters 5, 6, and 7. Excuse me. Yes, 5, 6, and 7 of the book of Matthew. The Sermon on the Mount is basically a commentary on how to live in the kingdom to come. There is application in the Sermon on the Mount, but technical interpretation is that Jesus is saying, here's how we're going to live in the kingdom to come. Because now John is announcing, could have been, had the Jews accepted Elijah, thus the prerequisite for setting up the kingdom that Daniel had talked about. John the Baptist says, behold, the kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus will tell them, pray for the kingdom like it is in heaven to be on earth. That's where the kingdom is to be. The kingdom of God, we've got to be very careful when we start talking about the kingdom of God is in my heart. And the kingdom of God is already set up in heaven. No, God is talking about a literal kingdom, and that was the prophecy he gave to Daniel, who will be in op- which will be in operation here on the earth. And now Jesus is coming 
in fulfillment of Daniel's prophecy to establish that kingdom. Thus, John says, behold, the kingdom of God is at hand. It's Jesus Christ. He's getting ready to baptize him. Chapter 4 of the book of Matthew. Now, Jesus is going to go forth and he's going to preach preparation and presentation of the kingdom. Look what he says here in verse 17 of chapter 4. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He's referring to himself. And he's telling the Jewish people to enter the kingdom, repent, I'm here, I will establish the kingdom. He is making a legitimate offer to the Jewish people of the kingdom. This is the Messiah's promise to the Jews, I will establish a kingdom. That's going to be put on the shelf momentarily, we'll see it. But uh, he is now making a legitimate offer. He tells his disciples, when you go forth to preach, preach only the kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom. The gospel of the kingdom. It is, this is how you enter into the kingdom that Jesus Christ is establishing. Verse 23 of chapter 4. And Jesus went about all of Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And so he's making a legitimate offer to these Jewish people. I'm going to set up a kingdom. He goes through his ministry of three and a half years. He comes to the end of his ministry. He's crucified in Jerusalem, buried, resurrected, has 40 days before he's going to go into the heavenlies. Look at Acts chapter 1 just for a second. Acts chapter 1. 40 days after his resurrection, those 40 days, he is now going to be involved and teaching him again about the kingdom. What is going to happen in the kingdom? And so that's what he starts teaching. Acts chapter 1, the former treatise, Have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach until the day in which he was taken up after that he thought the Holy Ghost had given, uh, that he through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, and being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Once again now, he starts teaching about the kingdom of God. He had decided that the Jews would re reject his kingdom. He understood that. He knew, of course, in his omniscience, knew it before he ever came, but he made a legitimate offer of the kingdom. And uh, in the area of Matthew, some debate this between Matthew 13 and 16, uh, he's taking away the offer of the kingdom. In Matthew 16, for example, when he says, i got to go to Jerusalem, I'm going to be crucified, I'm going to be buried and resurrected, that's not a part of the kingdom, that ultimately would be what is the criteria for establishing someone who can enter into the kingdom. But he sets the kingdom philosophy aside until after his resurrection. And now once again, for 40 days, what does he do? The last words of Jesus Christ on this earth to his closest followers. He's teaching them of the kingdom. What I'm trying to emphasize to you, I hope it's coming across, I think it is, is that there was a promise by Messiah of a kingdom. A kingdom was being established. 
He teaches about the kingdom. He makes a legitimate offer of the kingdom. And then when he takes that back, he's crucified, he's buried. Before his ascension, after his resurrection, he spends 40 days with his disciples, and all he's teaching is about the second coming of Jesus Christ. He's teaching about the kingdom. So much so, and they heard all of these things, and they were listening to him. At the conclusion, just before he's to step into the heavenlies, they ask him a question. Verse 7. Well, verse 6. And when they were therefore come together, they ask of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? They were so wound. I mean, that was a prophecy conference. What am a prophecy conference, man? I mean, that was better than Word of Life's prophecy conference. Here's Jesus who's going to make it happen, telling how it's going to happen and what's going to take place. And now they say, oh, all right, man. Right on, Jesus, that's good. Now you're going to set up the kingdom today? Look what he says, verse 7. And he said unto them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. And he holds off a bit longer. But listen to me. There was a legitimate, first of all, there was a prophetic description of the kingdom to come. And when it would come, there was a legitimate offer of the kingdom. The Jews rejected the kingdom. He sets it on the shelf, but after his death, burial, and resurrection, he starts to teach his closest followers and worshipers of the kingdom to come. They get so excited. In fact, let me show you something. A moment ago, I said that the terrorist attack of 9-11 in New York City, Washington, D.C., and the fields of Pennsylvania indeed did begin a new era. It was the beginning of the end, as I understand Bible prophecy. And Islam plays a key role in end-time events. You need to have your copy of Ishmael's Islamic Invasion. It's a five-hour audio series on CD that will look at Satan's dominion strategy, Ishmael's true legacy, Islam's satanic trio, the Islamic invasion, and Islam, the final solution. All of this available on Ishmael's Islamic invasion, this five-hour audio series on CD. If you'd like to get your own copy of it, call our toll-free number. It's 877-674-3298. You can make your order that way, or you can go to our website, prophecytoday.com, but make certain that you get your copy of Ishmael's Islamic Invasion, the five-hour audio series on CD, a very important study that you need to have at this time in history. And by the way, Let me say thank you so much for joining us as we've taken a look at the book right here. We are thrilled when we have opportunity to take the Word of God, open it with you, and share the truths found therein. And of course, as we do that, we become more and more aware that Jesus Christ could come at any moment. He could shout, the archangel will shout, the trumpet of God will sound, and we'll be caught up to be with him forevermore. Oh, as I think about that, you know, that could happen at any moment. So there's nothing left for me to say, except let's keep looking up until...